Travels with John Smith Chapter 30, Year 4, 2014-2015 Another Year and Some Soul We are driving on the sidewalk to get past the bumper-to-bumper traffic alongside us on the road. We hang on as our driver squeezes through the bollards on the ends of each section of sidewalk, and he beeps his horn loudly to alert the bicycles and pedestrians that are sharing the sidewalk with us to move out of the way. It all feels normal. We are back in Wuhan for our fourth year, and this is home. What was meant to be a year of adventure now seems to be our life. We have stuff scattered about the globe, but a lot of it is here. John says home is where your stuff is. What used to feel foreign feels like it is normal everyday life, though. There are always exceptions. John and I were discussing the idea yesterday and decided if a Chinese person went to Roberts Creek, Canada, and saw one of the old hippies that lived there walking around on some nudist quest, they might draw some conclusions about Canada that were not 100% correct. This idea came up while listening to some of the new crew of teachers talking about how strange China is. We really are the old-timers here now. There are only a couple of people who have been here as long as us or more than us. The year started with John taking on four classes a day of cooking, but the math office want him to stay in their office so they can pump him for information if need be. He has reached a guru-like status there due to his age, experience, and very good ideas. Our office has and still is undergoing a transformation as we are now under Chinese administration. The Chinese are all about what something looks like on the outside, so they keep copious notes that are not relevant, that no one will ever read, and have four to five meetings a week, most being pointless No new information is said, and even if it is, it could have easily been sent in an email. But they do, but they need to show the people above them that they are doing something so they can keep their jobs as leaders. The leaders, in turn, need to act like they are inspecting something. So there is a lot of making things up for us to do that have no real purpose. They add more and more work onto each person and more meetings that use up the valuable time we need to be planning lessons for the kids we are teaching. It already feels like we will have a few battles to fight, and I fear some people might leave over it all. I am teaching the same subject, so am trying to change it up a little to make it more interesting for the students and me, but at least I don't have to learn anything new. I have also been going over to the foreign national school to help some adorable little kids with their reading and writing in the primary class, which I enjoy because I don't have to plan anything. There are some interesting new people this year 
many families with kids of different ages, so the energy is less party and more get-together, which is more our, our style. There's one family who live below us that are very cool. Jerry, the father, is a musician, and we have had one mini jam, but we'll have another soon, so I'm very happy about that. He had a band in Canada and regular gigs, so it should be fun. His wife, Gabby, is just the right kind of nutty that I like, and I really like her and their kids, Don Marie and AJ, who are both interesting and sweet kids. We've had a lot of life experience things in common, too, so it feels more like a community. We've already had brunches and outings and movie nights with them. Gabby is always excited about all the new things around her here. She's like what I was like when I first got here and isn't working full-time, but has started to see some kids one-to-one. With their arrival and some other families with young children, including the many Chinese babies on campus, it feels like a small town. John and I have been jamming, playing music with Shane. He's a kind of larger-than-life, cool-beyond-his-years, poker-playing Tom Waits character who's been here for five years. He's also a relative of some people from our hometown. He'll leave at the end of the year, so we want to take advantage of his raspy, funky, country-folk style. We are in a tunnel under the DMZ, demilitarized zone, in between South and North Korea. Walking in one of the small tunnels made by the North Koreans when they tried to invade the South again. We are about 10 stories underground, and even though I am not claustrophobic, I am starting to sweat, thinking about the possibilities. What if the flow of air which is piped in stops? What if one of the landmines on the land above explodes and the earth falls in on us? What if the North Koreans break through the wall at the end of the tunnel and we are trapped, etc.? Sometimes it is not fun in my head. That's the downside of having a good imagination. It is dark apart from the lights every 50 feet or so, and we are walking very close together, stooped in a single file. There are people walking the other way, the way out, also in single file, and it is tight in this tunnel. Before we came down, our guide warned us that if we had any physical problems like heart, knees, back, etc., or claustrophobia, We shouldn't go down into the tunnel. And if there was a problem once we were down, we should try to make our way out as soon as possible. I know they say these things to cover themselves as they have had problems in the past. I consider trying to cross over and join the other line, but that feels too difficult. I can't imagine what would happen if there was a panic of any sort down here. This place has become a tourist attraction, but the problems between the north and south are not over yet, according to our guide. For those who don't know the history, I will give you the short version of what I understood. 
Korea has been taken over by various people in history, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Russians. North Korea marched into Seoul somewhere in the early 50s, and it was their goal to make all of Korea a communist country. The Americans came to the South Koreans' aid, really to protect their own interests, and pushed them back towards the north. They then had the idea to push them right out of Korea to try and get rid of the communists altogether. But their neighbor China said, hold on, and sided with the North, pushing the Americans back to the 38th parallel. At this point, the North and South were divided up, so there was a divide between the politics of the country. The Americans remained and still have a military base in Seoul. But the North Koreans, according to our guide, have continued to try and invade the South to make all of Korea a communist country. The Americans are there to protect the South, but it is really about the sea that surrounds Korea. They want use of the shipping lanes, etc. The South Koreans say they would like to join with the North, but do not want the politics of the North. They have built a railway that ends right here at the border. They say if the border was gone, you could take a train all the way to Europe from here. As it is, the only way out of South Korea is by plane, and they are surrounded by water on the other three sides. We are staying in an area called Insadong, which is a very artsy area. There are music stores everywhere, and it is very lively at night, with outdoor street markets and food streets and a pedestrian street, full of indoor and outdoor crafts markets, all within a 10-minute radius of our hotel. We are in a department store that is the biggest music department store in Asia. There are a couple of floors with rows and rows and rows of shops, with every musical instrument and recording devices and concert equipment you can think of. In the middle of the shops, there are more rows of guitars and pianos, etc. My kind of heaven. Also John's. He finds a store that sells only harmonicas. We spend the good part of a day here, and we split up to enjoy different parts of it. I hang out with the microphones, guitars, ukuleles, and the odd clarinet. After much agonizing decision-making, I buy a banjo ukulele. Plays like a ukulele, but looks and sounds like a banjo. We visit many famous markets, temples, traditional and modern shopping areas. Koreans are famous for their fashion sense, and I buy a couple of cool items. We eat some delicious Korean barbecue and see some interesting dishes that look like unspecified seafood and a few things we don't usually eat in the West, like pig's snout, feet, and anus. We go to the top of Seoul Tower, where you can see all of Seoul, and get used to some of the quirky differences of the culture. Sometimes it feels like Koreans are closer to what we experienced as the Japanese culture, and at other times closer to the Chinese culture, but of course completely their own culture, too. 
It is easy to get around as most people speak English. There are many Western products easily available as well as Korean products. There are many Parisian-style bakeries that are equal to the West, no taste of China, and steakhouses that have real steak and amazing salad bars, something that is rare in China outside of the big hotels. We make sure we get in a couple of movies with salted popcorn. The movie houses in Wuhan always have sugar in their popcorn. The Asian games are happening right now, so we watch some of them on TV. We see a strange sport that looks like volleyball, but they only use their feet to hit the ball back and forth. I believe it's called foot volley or volley foot. We decide after learning a few words in Korean that it would be an easier language to learn than Chinese, but this is probably not true. There are little festivals everywhere we go, so it seems to be a happening city and probably a good place to live, though more expensive than China. We notice a lot of elderly, our age and up, out and about in the subways, shops and streets, enjoying themselves. In China, you might see a group of older women dancing for exercise or men playing card games, but you don't usually see them out shopping. It seems to be reserved for the young or middle-aged. In China, they are usually looking after their grandchildren or fishing. We also take a day trip to see a girl named Jane from our hometown, whose parents live in the same condo as my mother. She's been living in Korea for 10 years, in a city just outside Seoul, but Seoul has spread out so much, it's possible to take the subway there. We visit the city's fortress wall that surrounds the center part of the city, which looks a little like the Great Wall, but shorter, and you can walk along it and take in the beautiful views. It is a heritage site, so Jane suggests we go there, and we meet her to go for a traditional Korean meal afterwards, as it's a national holiday. It's always cool to see someone from back home in a faraway land. It feels like we are connecting with home. We come back to Wuhan feeling rested, cultured up, and well-shopped. Though mostly small items, we did not have to buy a new suitcase this time. I slung the ukulele banjo over my shoulder. I am standing on the stage in front of the student body of the high school, wondering how this happened. This morning I opened my emails, which I sometimes don't do until late into the day or evening, and there was one saying I should go to the side of the stage and wait until they call me to come out and accept my award for star teacher. There are three foreign teachers, including me, and about seven Chinese teachers also waiting to go on. I'm not sure who votes for these things, and how I got an award for being a good teacher is truly a shock. I'm pleased and embarrassed at the same time. I still feel like a bit of a fraud, though this is a belief that has followed me through my life with every job, no matter how good or bad I have been. 
John got this award last year, and it was no surprise to me. He's a dedicated, organized, and thorough teacher who's loved by pretty much all his, the students he has taught. We will now each have an award like a his and hers to sit on our desk at home. John is sleeping right now as he has had an eventful week, organizing and helping his cooking class to feed all of the teachers every morning. It involved getting up early to prepare for it, organizing all the food to be brought in for 75-plus hungry teachers as well as planning for the regular, regular classes, so he is beat. It's a week later and the cold has started moving in. Some of the teachers are wearing winter coats and others are still in shorts. I have begun taking sweaters out of boxes and I'm still clinging on to my summer jackets. I draw the line at shorts. The guy who owns a bar called the Jeep, where many teachers hang out, contacts me and asks if I will do a grand opening gig for his new bar. Most of this interaction takes place by text and I'm sure lots gets lost in translation, but he wants me to play for five hours from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Countryside and rock to make good atmosphere, were his words. When I ask if it is a paid gig, he responds with, There are rewards. I decide not to take the gig since I know by rewards he means free beer, and since I don't drink alcohol at all, it doesn't feel right to me. It's one thing to jam on a couple of songs with the musicians at the jazz club for free, but another to carry a whole evening on my own for nothing? We wonder why the Chinese don't actually buy music. The water moves over my face and body like a warm wind, and I feel the freedom of movement that I am guessing an astronaut feels moving without gravity. I'm in the swimming pool at the Ramada Hotel in Guanggu, now known as John and my second home. We are here for a staycation weekend of relaxing good food, skating, and shopping. I can see John through the window that looks into the gym. He is on an exercise bike, furiously pedaling away like he has done since we got back from this summer. His dedication to training is truly inspiring. I try to join him on weekends for a few laps around the track on our bikes. On his daily rounds, he does up to 20 miles on the bike and sometimes runs a few laps as well. He also has a long exercise and stretching regime, which he does before going out on the bike. All of this he does before 6 a.m. I'm lucky if I can get up at 5.30 and do 15 to 20 minutes on the bike and some stretching, but now that the cold weather is drifting in, I only ride the bikes on weekends and try to exercise for 20 minutes before getting ready for school. Midterms have come and gone. I have invigilated kids with names like Shine and Ace and Queen. In my own class, I have a King, Rexar, Sunny, Marshall, and Hero, and Carrot from my French club. Most of the other names seem to be more normal. 
I have to do a lecture for the middle school, elementary, and high school ESL teachers, both foreign and Chinese bilingual teachers. I play them a song and show them a PPT with some of the games and activities I do with the kids. It's the first time I have ever given a talk like this, so I am quite nervous, but it goes well. I'm sitting in a dark hair salon with a creamy concoction of bleach and who knows what else on my hair. I have mentioned before that I am nervous about trusting any Chinese hairdresser to do the color on my hair, as it is hard enough to explain what I want in English, let alone in Chinese. I'm worried about coming out with yellow hair. It has been confirmed by other foreigners that if you say blonde, it translates as yellow. So I got one of my Chinese colleagues to call and tell them what I wanted when I booked it. They told him they had written everything down and that there would be a translator here. But I also wrote down all the words I thought I might need, not trusting my pronunciation, like white, highlights, etc. I take Monica, a girl who works in the middle school who was a hairdresser in Canada, with me. I thought if they were doing anything strange, she might recognize and stop it. After explaining several times to several different people what I wanted, with the help of translation on phones, the, wor- wrote, the words I wrote down, and hair swatches and Monica miming, they ca- came back with a mixture in a bowl and started slapping it on the back of my head without any foil, which is usually used to do highlights. Monica tried to stop them as she had no idea what they were doing. We gave up and thought, oh well, they've started so might as well continue. The translator arrives at this point and shows me the price for a color correction, which is what they are apparently doing, and Monica and I try to explain we didn't ask for that. He seems unperturbed and shows us the fashion color price, which is very expensive, and says that's what they will be doing next. Monica says she feels nervous with this and says we might want to see how the bleach turns out and leave it at that. We wait for the color to take and Monica checks it every few minutes. They wash it out and there are some yellow streaks in it, but I count myself lucky as most of my hair is white and hasn't fallen out. I have given three interviews to students working for various school papers or on projects, so the Star Teacher Award has made me a bit of a campus celeb. This year we get four days at Christmas, including a weekend, so we will go back to Sanya, China's Hawaii, again, and stay in a nice hotel by the sea to warm up. Then we will get four days at New Year's, also including a weekend, so we will go to Harbin, in the far north of China, where they have an ice sculpture festival. For the Chinese New Year, we want to visit our mothers back in Canada. We will have a month off, so plan on going to Canada right after my birthday, January 31st, and in the middle, go to Mexico. The adventure continues. (laughs) 